Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Kyle Busch's black and red Chevrolet Silverado one more time through turn number one. He's off turn two to the back straightaway. Virtually untouched this final run. KFB doing KFB things now in a Chevrolet in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series to the bottom side of turn three and four for the final time. He started at the front of the field. He will finish at the front of the field. Welcome home to Las Vegas. Kyle Busch has won the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. No, it's awesome. Um, you know, just a, a great day for, for KBM, everybody at Rowdy Manufacturing, Rowdy Energy. Um, you know, appreciate Billy Ballou, but uh, Zari Transport, you know, for their first race being with us at KBM, a brand new sponsor to NASCAR. This is just a great opportunity for us to, to get them the victory lane, and they're here tonight celebrating with us. This is awesome. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we recap all the goings-on from our trip to Las Vegas, and we look ahead to the final race of the West Coast Swing for 2023, of course, wrapping up in Phoenix this weekend. We're going to chat with Las Vegas winner William Byron. He will stop by. Also... Being that we're going to Arizona, we figured we'd check in with Michael McDowell. Michael will sit in and sit down with Jason Toy ahead of heading back to his home track this weekend. We'll also examine the Phoenix dominance that has been achieved by Kevin Harvick over the years. Todd Gordon is going to walk us through the new arrow package that will be on the cup cars this weekend. We'll explain that in much more detail. Plus, we're going to hear what the drivers are expecting this weekend as well as a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines to get us going. Kyle? Mike, in case you missed it, Chase Elliott will be out of the race car for an extended period of time due to a snowboarding accident last week in Colorado. Elliott underwent surgery on his fractured tibia and has been released from the hospital. In regards to the news, Senior Vice President of Competition Elton Sawyer said on Sirius XM, quote, I wouldn't see any reason he wouldn't be granted a waiver to the playoffs upon Elliott's return from the injury. NASCAR is not only returning to Chicago, 
It's doing so on the streets of the city. NASCAR's debut street course officially has a name. Event organizers announced the inaugural event will be called the Grant Park 220. And former IndyCar driver and past president of the Women's Sports Foundation, Lynn St. James, will drive the pace car at the start of the United Rentals Work United 500 at Phoenix Raceway. Just a reminder that Motor Racing Network's live coverage of Sunday's event begins with NASCAR Live Race Day at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 11.30 out west. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up. We'll hear from the third winner of the NASCAR Cup Series season. William Byron will join us. And later, Michael McDowell stops by. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating... Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Sunday was another banner day for Hendrick Motorsports. The team finished 1-2-3 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The driver carrying the checkered flag, though, in the end was William Byron. Our Kim Kuhn had the chance to sit down with Willie B, fresh off his first win of 2023. All right, William, you took home the victory in Las Vegas. What were you thinking when the final caution came out? And then what was going through your mind on the overtime restart? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I talked about this with my team, but I feel like if you're having a good solid run, like when a caution comes out late, you're kind of bummed because uh, you never know what can happen. You know, sometimes it can work out in your favor or not. But uh, yeah, if you're leading, you're really mad. But me being in second, I was like, I was pumped, honestly. I was I was like, all right, this is cool. This is a, this is a chance to uh, maybe get a win. So yeah, I mean, we, we obviously had a great day and uh, won both stages, but you know, it looked like we weren't going to win and uh, it was cool to get another shot at it. Your last one was Martinsville, April of last year. How important was this win for you and the team just to feel like you are back on track? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a long winless streak, honestly. And, um, you know, since I've been winning cup races and got that first win, it, you know, every win is kind of, you know, been a little bit shorter time frame, I guess, than the one I had with this last stretch. So it was, it was just nice to get back to victory lane. I mean, you always kind of doubt, you know, doubts creep in naturally as a team when you don't win. Um, and I think that this weekend was a big statement, you know, for us uh, individually, just to know that we could go out there and have a, a race like that. Is there any fear? Cause you won early last year too. And then, you know, we'll call it a valley during the summer. And then you guys yeah. back to being consistent during the playoffs, especially at the end of the season, even though you went winless. Is there a little bit of a fear that that could happen again, winning so early in the season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's kind of what we worked on in the off season was just trying to make sure that wouldn't happen again. So, um, yeah, I think honestly, we've kind of built our team around, you know, catering to our weaknesses. So I would say we're a little bit surprised that we won um, just based on, the different approach we took to the beginning of the year this year, we kind of kind of went into it, just trying to ease into it, have a solid 
few races. I mean, the first two races were a disaster just in terms of results, but they were good in the speed category. So like being in the 500 late, having a shot to win. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, yeah, there's ups and downs that you sometimes can't control, but we definitely want to try to control the trajectory of the year and, and, uh, yeah, not have a summer slump. Chevrolet is now three for three in points races for 2023 and three different drivers from three different teams. Do you think Chevy has found something or is this just, I don't want to say a fluke, but just kind of random that it's been three different Chevrolets and three different drivers and three different teams? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the 500, honestly, we, we weren't the best cars, the Chevy. So uh, we got really fortunate there with, with Ricky winning. Um, you know, I thought the Fords were probably the best at drafting. And then, um, yeah, last week, I mean, um, yeah, Kyle was really, really good. And then and then this week we were really good. So I do think, uh, yeah, we're starting to kind of show our strength as a manufacturer, but uh, it all changes every week. So we just got to keep up with it. I mean, I think the drafting tracks, Honestly, that's been my strength in the past, but I'm probably most nervous going to some of these drafting tracks and uh, just got to keep working on our, our package for those places. The oversized hat in Victory Lane. I know you said you got the idea from the NFL. I loved it. It was very fun, a, a little addition <laughs> to Victory Lane. But I guess what was your team's reaction when you first mentioned wanting to do this? And, and who has to give approval for something like this? How do you source an oversized hat like this? Yeah, it was uh yeah, it was kind of a, a goofy thing to do, but I, I I was I wanted to do it. So it was uh yeah, I saw guys doing it in the NFL, saw Josh Allen did it and uh yeah, it was one of those off season projects that we did uh with Noggin Boss and just kind of working with them on getting it branded right. So uh yeah, I was I came to them and said, Hey, I wanna get these hats and they're like, Well do you what do you wanna do? Like you wanna wear them? I'm like, No, no, I wanna wear it after a win. Like if we if we win then I'll be like super pumped and so it was kind of funny like I don't know if my guys on the team knew about it and so when I got out of the car I think they were a little bit shocked but uh seemed like it was a good thing so is this going to be a regular thing in victory lane like every win you have you're gonna have the oversize or was it just like a one and done I think it's kind of I mean we're definitely gonna have them still I think we'll do photos and stuff with them but I don't know if I'll get out of the car with it I gotta change it up a little bit maybe just do do a picture with the trophy but uh We'll see. We'll hopefully we get that opportunity again. That that's that would be a good sign. Your teammate Chase Elliott will be out for an undetermined amount of time due to his leg injury. Does having him out of the race car change the dynamic at all during the weekend in terms of just not having one of your regular teammates there to bounce ideas off of and get information? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely, you know, hurts in some ways because he's a really good, you know, he gives good feedback and, and things like that. So I think, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll hurt that in terms of kind of the growth. But um, I think, honestly, that team is really solid and they're going to be, be fine with whoever's in the, the car. So it's, uh, we're just going to keep working hard and, um, you know, try to give whoever is in that car the best opportunity and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll help because they'll bring a fresh perspective. I think that's the cool thing is kind of when you get a chance to have a new perspective, it's kind of, kind of nice to see what it's, what it, they say. And, um, so hopefully that helps. I know Hendrick said specifically, Jeff Andrews said, you know, they don't put too many limits on what their drivers can do outside of the race car. Um, and they have to enjoy life. But for you personally, as you saw this unfold, does something like this make you rethink or second guess any 
extracurricular activities? Like, does it put any kind of fear on you? Like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes me nervous. I think uh, I had that same, I was nervous last year. I went out to, went out between California and Vegas, same same week of the year um, and went out to Park City and, and uh, snowboarded. And uh, I only fell like one time, but I was, I was definitely like kind of nervous. Like, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, it stinks, you know, it stinks for, for Chase. And I think, but we can't stop living our lives. I think you have to, you have to get that release somehow. And um, race car drivers are kind of funny. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time in an adrenaline state. And so like, we like things that are kind of fun and that are going to get us um, energized. And it's hard to be interested as a driver because you're kind of, you're always used to that adrenaline. So it's hard to find interesting things to do, but uh, we try. NASCAR heads to Phoenix this weekend. What are your expectations with the new short track package? I mean, I hope it's better. Uh, I don't, I don't really expect a lot different. I think it's going to just, the cars are going to drive worse. And, um, that's always probably a good thing for racing and, you know, for the immediate future, but I don't know after time when we kind of get it, you know, get, understand it better uh, after a couple of races, I think we'll be back to normal, but hopefully the racing, hopefully the passing is a little bit better. Um, so we'll see. How important is it in terms of building a notebook for championship weekend at the end of the season at Phoenix? Yeah, it's really important. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the sim just going over Phoenix and uh, it's a really important track for us just to get get right. So we want to have good notes and uh, we want to have like good good feedback back to the guys at the shop to be able to you know work on it for November. So always want to have a good weekend here so that you can you have that extra confidence, you know, when you go in November. If, if you if you know that going in the playoffs, you race a little bit differently trying to get to Phoenix. Thank you, Kim. Coming up, Jason Toy is going to sit down with Michael McDowell. And later, we'll review some of Kevin Harvick's reign as the king of Phoenix. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. NASCAR is heading to the desert this weekend, and Phoenix Raceway is the home track for Glendale, Arizona's Michael McDowell. Our Jason Toy had the chance to sit down with Michael to discuss racing at his home track and how the start to the season has gone for him so far. Michael, tell you what, uh, you know, we're off and running now. Get ready to wrap up the West Coast part of the season. How would you assess how things were for you guys so far through the first three races? I know the results weren't there, but you guys showed a lot of a lot of prominence with that Mustang. Yeah, so I think that you know the the start of this year hasn't gone great, um, but the the things that are going pretty well is our cars have speed. Uh, our team's working together well. Um, you know, some of the things that we've had go wrong these first few weeks have been, you know, out of our control. And so I feel like in general, you use this West Coast swing to kind of see where you're at performance wise, see, you know, what gains teams have made through the off season and, and where you stack up performance wise. You know, unfortunately, we don't have the results to show for it, but I feel like um, we're in a good spot, uh, probably pretty similar to where we were last year as far as how and where we stack up. 
Um, so that's promising. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been a, an up and down. You know, obviously uh, Vegas, the pit road speeding penalty that I got early on just buried us for the rest of the, the race and all that green flag running. Just uh, we try to do it with strategy, which puts you further behind and further behind, you know. So um, kind of a um, unusual you know scenario there because when you get a penalty they're hard to re, uh, recover from but normally if it's in that first segment you got you got the rest of the day to, to get it sorted <laughs> out, out. Um, and it just didn't work out so that was unfortunate um you know and then you know california i, f- I felt like we were you know uh, decent speed wise took a chance strategy wise didn't quite work out ran out of gas there on the last lap and you know lost five spots so things like that you know i feel like is is part of it but uh, overall i feel really happy with the performance of, of our team and our car and i think we have a, you know some more to gain still so it's been been decent take us and the race fan into the, the driver compartment in the seat when you're coming down for a pit stop and you know you got to get it bogged down this green flag you're wanting to get everything to where you know it's the shortest amount of time on that pit lane take us through the yeah. steps going through your mind yeah so i'll walk you through vegas and yeah. then we can talk about more in general you know, in, in the old days where you'd have practice, you know, Friday and Saturday and, and, you know, you had multiple practices, you would get a bunch of shots at pit road. Right. And so you'd be able to find your, your reference point of how far you could push it on new tires and old tires and all those things. Right. Because it, it changes. Right. So when you're out here, you know, this last weekend and you have a 20 minute session and you only got 10 laps on your tires and you make a run the pit road, everything's cold and fresh and good you know when you're 40 or 50 laps into a run and you got to come down pit road everything's different um but you know so you, you try to do as much as you can to get a reference point but this time was kind of a fluke deal that wasn't wasn't the issue um i got on pit road pretty conservatively just to make sure that i didn't have any any issues and uh, the 99 swore as he was coming in hot and was smoking the tires locked up and he was about to hit me and i just came off the brake and gassed it up for a split second so he wouldn't get into me uh and that that one little segment there is where i sped you know getting on the pit road and mostly because i was watching that rearview mirror camera and i see him coming and i'm like oh i'm gonna get wiped out here and uh just didn't didn't do a good job of knocking off enough speed so kind of an unfortunate you know event of circumstances there um you know most of the time when i get uh speeding penalties is because i was pushing it too hard or or you know just trying to get a little bit too much um but in general to to talk about what you asked is you know you could lose um a second or two getting on the pit road depending on how well you do it and so you want to push hard uh, but you don't want to you know, push too hard. Right. And so it's, it's a definitely a balance on, on how you do that. And yeah, looking back at the series of events, I should have pushed harder so that he wasn't that close to me. Um, so being conservative is what cost me, um, which is not normally how those pit road penalties go, but, uh, you'll have that. And, um, but yeah, there's a lot of time, you know, to be gain or loss getting on pit road, getting off of pit road. And then obviously in the pit box, you know, but from a driver's standpoint, you're trying to get as much as you can. And you're also trying to watch out for everybody else around you and trying to do all of that within, the, you know, 35, 40 seconds that you go from entering to exiting pit road. 
Yeah, it's busy. You know, green flag stops are a little bit easier as far as the congestion goes on mm -hmm. pit road. But when you come, you know, down under caution, you think, oh, this is easy, but it's not, right? Yeah. Everybody's stacked up, nose to tail. Uh, when guys peel off to their boxes, it kind of starts this accordion effect and everybody starts jamming up and then you're trying to get your lights back up. And um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely um, a lot going on. Before we talk about you going home uh, to uh, to Arizona and racing this weekend, let's talk about the Fords. And, you know, I know with Front Row, you always talked about before when you wanted the, the 500 as the little team that could. But now I think that the with the new car, the new next-gen car, it brings a balance. You know, we always hear about BOP, balance of performance, and we hear talk about sports cars. It seemed to have that now in this second year with this car. Are you seeing that with the Fords? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that last week was a better indication of where everybody's at performance wise you know but here's the tricky part about it is that you know let's say the the 22 has sort of been the benchmark for the four teams right and has been for the last you know year and so you know he if he goes out to vegas he sat on the pole right mm -hmm. sits on the pole leads every lap wins a race you know then then you go okay fords are good and we're in good shape and everything's fine right um, but if he misses his balance a little bit and runs 10th and the Chevys went one, two, three, you know, you leave there thinking, okay, where are we at? Um, I think we're in a good spot. I think the Fords are in a good spot. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, seeing the performance, these first, you know, few races, I don't think anything's really changed. Um, even though you kind of saw that, that Hendrick dominance at Vegas, um, I think they were really fast there last year and, and they got a, a, a good package and hit their, hit their targets that they're looking for. But I don't feel like anybody's at a severe disadvantage at, at any point of it. Um, but through the years, that's kind of ebbed and flowed, you know, like uh, there's been times where one manufacturer is stronger than the other. Um, but I feel like right now everything is pretty balanced. Michael McDowell is here with us as we get ready to head to Phoenix, the final race of the three races on the West Coast. And we go to Phoenix and go back to your home track of Arizona. I know it's always special. I know you're one a little bit more performance wise at the track. So what do you anticipate <laughs> here this weekend? Yeah, it is fun. It's fun to go back home and see friends and family. Uh, unfortunately, we've just been really bad there. And, um, you know, it's it, last year with this next gen car, there were so many places where we made big jumps, you know, our mile and a half program and, and road course program. Um, but the short tracks, you know, Phoenix and Richmond and New Hampshire, we just were really bad at. And so um, we are hopeful that with this new downforce package and this 50 minute practice that we have on Friday, that we can run through some things um, and, and make some bigger swings, you know, from a setup standpoint to try to hit on something. Uh, Cause you always want to run good, right mm -hmm. um but in particular you want to run good in, in front of your hometown and friends and family so the last few years have been a bit of a struggle but we're we're hoping to turn that around and um you know it's a good weekend to try to do it how big of a michael mcdowell cheering section do you bring out for this race when you go back to phoenix twice a year yeah quite a bit it's pretty awesome um i was doing a, an interview earlier today and they were talking about, you know, coming back home after the Daytona 500. And one of the things that really stands out to me was driver introductions. Um, just the the applause and the noise that I got for the driver introductions uh, after winning the 500 in, in Phoenix was, I felt like Dale Jr. I mean, it was so <laughs> loud and it was so awesome. 
but it was really special you know it was a cool moment and um so yeah so it's it's good it's it's a great racetrack and we got a lot of you know incredible fans i mean you see it you go around there and you look at the campgrounds and you're like holy where do all these people come from um but yeah so looking forward to a fun weekend the looking ahead down the road here i know you're a big road course guy what are your thoughts on going to the street course in chicago how do you how do you think this will play out yeah i'm excited about it i mean i know it's gonna be tough it's tight twisty pretty narrow but you're always looking as a competitor of, of where you can have a little bit of an advantage and not that I have any experience at Chicago on the street courses, mm-hmm. but I've done a lot of street courses over my career. And so feel like that'll help, um, you know, that'll help going into a weekend like that. Um, just kind of knowing what to expect and what to look for and visually how difficult it is and not being able to see around the corners and find reference points and pushing it to the limit. So, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that that's a weekend that we can go and, and try to win. Um, and, you know, the road courses were really strong for us last year. And, and we, you know, we had the speed to win it, most of them. So hopefully we can keep that rolling this year. Michael McDowell, all the best to you. Enjoy going home this weekend and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon, bud. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Coming up, we'll revisit some of Kevin Harvick's dominance at Phoenix over the years. And later I'll sit down with Todd Gordon. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. So glad that you're joining us here on this Tuesday night. You know, as we go to Phoenix this weekend, there's one driver's name that is synonymous with success and Phoenix, and that's Kevin Harvick. He continues his final season this weekend at the track that many consider his best. Kevin's stats at the racetrack are simply staggering. Tim Cattlefemo has more. Dale Earnhardt at Talladega, Jimmy Johnson at Dover, Rusty Wallace or Daryl Waltrip at Bristol. Over time, some drivers can become synonymous with certain racetracks due to the level of dominance they achieve. A classic example of this is Kevin Harvick and Phoenix Raceway. In the course of Harvick's 20-plus year career, he has made the Valley of the Sun his own personal playground. The start of Harvick's success at Phoenix Raceway goes all the way back 21 years ago to 2002. On this day, the California driver scored not only his first win at the mile track, but also secured another first. It's Kevin Harvick in the top spot. Ted Musgrave into second. They come into turn three, nose to tail. Musgrave takes his last shot. Slight contact is made, but Harvick maintains the lead. Coming up off turn number four, Musgrave looks to the inside, tries to pull, even gets a fender up there by inches. It is Kevin Harvick scoring the win. Musgrave finishes second. Crawford is third. Fourth, Travis Quapple. And coming in fifth, Terry Cook. Finally, Kevin Harvick wins in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. The first few years of Harvick's Cup Series career actually featured mixed results when it came to Phoenix Raceway, but he turned things around in a big way in 2006 when he swept the races there, driving for Richard Childress Racing. He can coast from here, rolling off turn four. Kevin Harvick goes to the win in the Subway Fresh 500 after winning here last night. He makes the double here at Phoenix International Raceway. Kevin Harvick conquered Phoenix in the spring. He's going to do 
it here today as well, winning the Checker Auto Parts 500. In the same year, Harvick also added an Xfinity Series win at the racetrack, crossing off the goal of winning at the circuit in all three series. In 2013, it had been announced Kevin would be leaving Richard Childers Racing for Stuart Haas Racing at the end of the season. Many thought it would create a lame duck situation and impact the number 29 team's performance. In Harvick's next-to-last race for RCR, however, he went out west to the desert and again drove to Victory Lane. Could have been a fuel pickup problem for Carl Edwards as we heard his motor sputter through turns three and four. Kevin Harvick has passed him. Kevin Harvick will lead the field off turn four. Carl Edwards is out of fuel and Kevin Harvick is going to Victory Lane here at Phoenix International Raceway. He has won the AdvoCare 500. Because of Harvick's success at RCR over the years, some questioned his move to Stort Haas Racing. If it isn't broke, don't fix it, right? Well, all those questions went away when Kevin Harvick won in just his second race at SHR. And where else? You guessed it, Phoenix. Harvick off turn number four. Everybody said he would be the man. He definitely is the man. They've been chasing him all day. Harvick, man number two in the chase for 2014 as he wins at Phoenix. Victory Lane at Phoenix International Raceway one more time. Well, I just got to I got to thank everybody on this Jimmy John Chevrolet for all the work and the effort and really everybody at Stuart Haas um, to add an extra team, bring in a bunch of new guys, new driver. Rodney Childers has just done a phenomenal job uh, putting the team together and these guys all want to win. That's why they came here and that's why I came here too. So I just um, got to thank Gene and Tony and Eddie Jarvis. Uh, 2012, I told him, you know, it'd be fun to have Tony and I on the same team and here we are in victory lane. Harvick's first season at Stort Haas Racing also coincided with the first year of NASCAR's knockout playoff format, along with the championship four race. In 2014, the penultimate race of the season took place in the Valley of the Sun, and Harvick entered the weekend in a must-win situation. In one of the most clutch moments of his career, Harvick scored his sixth win in the Arizona desert. Here comes the most dominant car in the field this afternoon. He will win for the sixth time. His biggest win ever comes this afternoon at the Phoenix International Raceway. Kevin Harvick has scored the win. Harvick backed up his win by collecting his first and only Cup Series championship the next week at Homestead Miami Speedway. When the series returned to Phoenix the next spring, Harvick was yet again the man to beat and scored a historic fourth straight win at the one-mile oval. The most recent time the number four was in victory lane at Phoenix was in 2018, when he joined the short list of drivers to have nine wins at one racetrack. Off the back straight away for the final time for Kevin Harvick. Still eight car lengths in hand, right to the bottom of the racetrack. Lap traffic ahead, won't be a factor off turn four. A simply remarkable performance yet again for Kevin Harvick. Off four, final time across the stripe. The checkered flag is out, and Kevin Harvick is a winner for the ninth time here at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. It is hard to believe it's been five years since the last time the Master of Phoenix has won there. But it doesn't mean the number four team hasn't continued to run well in the Arizona desert. In fact, since Harvick has been with Stort Haas Racing, he has finished in the top ten every time at Phoenix. Harvick's top ten run stretches all the way back to his win there in 2013 with RCR, meaning Kevin Harvick has now gone 19 races without a finish outside of the top ten at the one-mile oval. If Harvick were to score his 20th straight top 10 this weekend, the streak will now be heading into year number 10. So the question is, can Kevin Harvick turn back the clock 
and have a storybook ending to his amazing run at a track which is considered to be his best. He's got two more shots to prove he's still the king atop Rattlesnake Hill at Phoenix Raceway. There is no question that Kevin Harvick is the king of Phoenix. Can he get some more gems in that crown this weekend? We'll all find out together. Coming up, Todd Gordon will join us to discuss the latest changes to the Cup Series Aero Package at Phoenix this weekend. And later, we'll hear from the driver's perspective about what they're expecting this weekend. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We're off to the Phoenix Raceway this weekend in Arizona. Race one of two this year in 2023 for the NASCAR Cup Series. It's going to be a little different this time through, though. New short track package, new road course package was implemented by NASCAR. And to help connect the dots on that and explain the importance of this change is Todd Gordon, who joins us. Todd, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? Doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to the weekend we've got coming up here at Phoenix. I love going out to Phoenix. I love the racing that it creates, but the racing could be a little different in the offseason. NASCAR said that it's going to adjust the aerodynamic packages for cars on tracks 1.058 miles or less and road courses. So Phoenix falls into this. For the fan that may not know, that may have missed the news, what will be different about this aero package when we come to Phoenix this weekend? So a couple caveats. I'll hit it. Dover and Bristol are excluded from this because of the high-speed nature they go through the corners. Huh? But but at all these kind of flat, short tracks, there, there's about a 30% reduction in downforce. And what they've done is up in, a lot of the, the downforce in these cars is the underbody now with a new next-gen car. They've, uh, they've taken, they call them the engine strikes. There's kind of fences on the front around the, around the front tires that keeps the wash from the tires from affecting the downforce, uh, the downstream air. Um, and there's, there's five vertical fences in the diffuser. They call them strikes and, uh, they've removed three of those. And then the biggest thing that most of the, most anybody that looks at these cars is going to see is the spoiler got reduced from four inches in tight height to two inches in height. It's basically only just a, a smidge taller than the carbon base that, that it bolts on with. And the drivers asked for this. I was actually at the test and that they, they did in Phoenix back in late January, um, as kind of an observer for this, but, uh, you know, the drivers wanted to put, put it back in their hands that by taking the spoiler off, they've reduced drag immensely on this car. And I was talking to the arrow guys at, at NASCAR and, um, you know, at 200 miles an hour, the amount of drag they've taken off is like 50 horsepower. So the the throttle response, the reaction, the acceleration of these cars is going to be noticeably different to the drivers, but they're going to be noticeably harder to drive. It's, a, I think, a good thing for racing, and, and it'd be exciting for this weekend. So the engine strikes are gone. The diffuser has been addressed. The blade has been reduced. Boiling this down, how should this affect what we'll be describing Sunday on MRN? Yeah, I think I think the, the the best thing that I can go back to and, and kind of you know give a vision of it is when we went to the low downforce package the first time. Uh, when we went to it, the racetracks got a lot wider because the cars are slipping and sliding around. They aren't easy to drive. They're they're hard to drive. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to slide around. 
you're not going to be stuck to racetrack anymore. So I think you're going to see the, the, the second and third grooves come in at times. You know, we, we had that resin applied, um, a couple of years back, how that plays through, through both ends. Um, you're going to see the racetracks get wider. I think you're going to see more comers and goers because, you know, figuring out how to manage your tires and, 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 and get yourself hooked up for, uh, you know, for, with less downforce is, is going to be a challenge and, and we're going to see guys miss it and, and come forward with it. Now, one thing that's going to complicate this, depending on who you are in that cup garage, you may be in playoff territory. You may be in championship four territory when you come back in November for the season ending race, which this aero package will be in play then too. How much of that is a wild card and how much will some of these crew chiefs be on a, a heightened state of alert this weekend, paying attention to the minutest detail for whatever it may do to those race cars when they come back, if they have a chance to run for a championship. Yeah, this is a weekend that they're really going to focus on and, and make sure the notes are, are, are diligent. Um, that 50 minute practice, unlike most of the events we get to, the guys get to hit the racetrack before they go in through inspection for the race. So they've got more opportunities to change things. They can change springs. They can change sway bars. They can, they, there's more that they can change in a 50 minute practice than what they're allowed in the kind of impound practice we see before qualifying. So I think a, a lot of work will be set into, you know, coming up with a good practice plan, a lot of detailed notes out of what you've got here, because this not only this not only is this weekend, it's the start of what will be our short track, our, our flat short track package, and and even the road course package. So you're going to try to learn what you can out of it. But as you talked about, this is the grand finale. This is the race that decides the champion. And everybody in the garage right now has to take the the, the mentality that I'm going to be one of those four cars racing for this at the end of the year, and I need to have this notebook and all the details that we can take out of this weekend need to be documented so we've got all the best information to to formulate what our package is going to be for that championship run. If memory serves, this will be the first of 13 tracks where, or 13 races where this will be in play. Just in general, Todd, um, 500 kilometers, 312 miles, that's not a long time. These, these Phoenix races, they click off in a heartbeat. So what are some of the strategy options available to these, uh, to these men on top of these war wagons and the necessity to get to it quick if you have to make an adjustment? Yeah, you, you know, this, the, with, a, with it being a 500-kilometer race, that, that kind of shortens up your opportunities for, for pitting within stages. So, um, you know, you've got to take advantage of every shot you got at it. And, and we'll see where it goes with the fall off with, with less downforce. Um, you know, Phoenix hasn't typically been a big fall off racetrack, so you can kind of run long or run short. It's not a big advantage one way or the other. Uh, but with less downforce, maybe that comes back into play a little bit more. Um, it's going to be an exciting weekend and, and we're all just going to have to ride along and see what happens because as these cars become harder to drive, cautions may become more, more prevalent. And, and at that point, your strategy calls are you're kind of hedging your, 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 your pitting strategy around when a caution comes. So, uh, it'd be fun to watch how these guys react to this and, and how the race goes on with this new package. And of course we're dealing with a, a bunch of individuals in that cup garage that can adjust to things and they will need to this weekend to be successful out at Phoenix raceway. Appreciate the time as always, my friend, I love the insight. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good. That's Todd Gordon giving us the lay of the land as it were, as it pertains to the new arrow package that will be in play at Phoenix races forward, including the championship race that will decide who will be the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series champion. Coming up, we've already gotten the crew chief perspective. 
We'll get the driver's perspective as we continue through this week's NASCAR Live. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend marks the final leg of the 2023 West Coast Swing for the NASCAR Cup Series. What are Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, and others expecting in Phoenix this weekend? Here's Kyle Ricky. Race four of the NASCAR Cup Series season is on tap this weekend. The best drivers in the sport head to the same track that will close the season on championship weekend, Phoenix Raceway. Through three races this year, a pattern has emerged the strength of the Chevrolet camp. After Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won at Daytona and Kyle Busch at Fontana, William Byron highlighted a 1-2-3 finish for Henrik Motorsports this past weekend at Las Vegas. For the second straight year, Byron has a win that will likely secure a playoff berth early in the season. But the North Carolina driver says he has a goal of continuing to prove his team's strength and avoid the slumps that they encountered in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's just good for our team because we can keep building in the future. You know, I think uh, it shows that it's kind of a measuring stick of where we are. Felt like going into this weekend that we were there, but we haven't shown that, you know, result-wise. So uh, needed to show that with a result to kind of get that satisfaction as a team. So I think it's just uh, hopefully more of the same. I mean, we don't want to have any slumps this year. We want to just dig all the way to the end of the year so it's a grind but we're gonna you know fight hard all year and try to keep this performance up this weekend at phoenix teams will get more track time than usual nascar is debuting a new rules package for tracks one mile or less and will get an extended 50 minute practice session to test it out while the extra practice is welcome kyle bush says it will still be hard to know exactly what the race will look like i don't know that you're really going to get out there in a group and set up a simulated race or anything like that you know we're all just going to do our normal practice where we roll out together we spread out a little bit and we go you know i don't think we'll really get a chance to foresee what our cars will be like in traffic until we line up for the race and go but as far as practice goes just trying to get a feel for you know what the pace is going to be what the feel is is it is it going to be way slower is the car going to have a lot less grip all that sort uh you know so that's kind of the biggest thing that you set up for even though bush thinks there will be many unanswered questions until sunday he's still optimistic about how the new package will improve the racing i think that there's a couple different things that uh, i would have done but um, I, I like the direction and the things that they did do talking about diffuser strikes you know reducing the underbody effects and things like that we tried so hard on that with this car to design that into it and i think we kind of created another two-headed monster if you will with the back of these cars need to be down as low as they need to be and last year we had tire issues for a while and it seemed like the teams kind of got that squared away a little bit but we're still all battling the the same things of, of trying to get that car as low as you can because the underbody effects are just so huge select teams got to try out the changes in a two-day test at the track earlier this year 
While Chris Busher was not there, his teammate and boss Brad Keselowski was. And after debriefing with Keselowski, he says the goals of the rule changes are clear. It seems like that the general consensus was everything that was being done was trying to get the cars to move around a lot more. And I think that's what we're hopeful for. Harder cars to drive, uh, more movement. That will probably come at a, a expense of some corner speed, mid-corner speed, which is fine. Straightaway speeds will come back up. So the idea is to try and make the racing better. It, it wasn't it wasn't shot away from that our short track and road course races weren't as exciting as we would like them to be in a lot of the drivers. We had our complaints about dirty air being an issue at tracks where we typically did not talk about that. And all these steps were, were implemented to try and get us away from having those discussions of hard to, to race around other cars or dirty air being issues at, at slower racetracks. That way we can, we can get the cars tightened up a little bit, have more passing put on a better show at the end of the day and be more competitive. While this will be the first time many drivers are driving at Phoenix under these conditions, their goals will go beyond just running well on Sunday because Phoenix Raceway is also home to championship weekend in November. Tyler Reddick calls this race the most important event on the West Coast Swing. I think it's very important. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but I think the, the number one, um, the most important part of our season is, is where we end our season at. And that's, you know, Phoenix That's where we race for a championship at the end of the year. And uh, for, for a lot of teams, this is our only opportunity um, to, to go out there and see what we have at Phoenix. And then, you know, really go to work over the year and try and bring back something better. Um, so if, you know, things go right, then you're in that final championship four. Um, you're racing for a championship and you have a solid piece. So homes are, uh, so Phoenix is incredibly important. MRN will have full coverage of the packed weekend at Phoenix, starting with that practice session at 6.30 p.m. on Friday night and concluding with flag-to-flag coverage of the United Rentals Work United 500 at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. That Phoenix preview was brought to you by Wheelan Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll put a bow on this week's show by revisiting the 1988 Checker 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. About to wave the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, we figured we would step into the MRN time machine. Dial up November 6th, 1988. Let's go all the way back there for a snippet of the Checker 500 at Phoenix. Barney, there's a couple of guys here in this pit. Won't even look at the racetrack. One fella sitting here on a tire rocking back and forth. Won't even look up. Everybody else is alternately cheering and wringing their hands. And Alan's story is kind of like that little book here. I think we all read when we were five or six or somebody read to us, the little engine that could. You just keep going saying, I think I can, I think I can. And, and one of these days you get to the top of that mountain and this could be his today. He's got about four and a half more circuits around this racetrack. Here he comes out of turn number four down to the line. And Harold Kinder says four to go for Alan Kulwicki as he flashes by the start-finish line and takes it back into turn number one. Kowicki has been very, very strong up here all day, Barney. He's all by himself right now. He's got the lap car of Jimmy Means in front. Kowicki smoothly out of two and moving out onto the back straightaway. I tell you, this thing isn't over for Kowicki, and I don't mean to spread any panic, but some of the drivers here are perhaps experiencing some uh, final stage uh, fatigue here because we, at the last two or three laps, we've had some cars sideways just trying to keep it off the wall, so Kowicki has to tread very, very carefully. And one of those is Rusty Wallace. He is on pit road for a splash 
of gas. They were afraid he couldn't go the distance, and, well, this should hurt his chances to pick up points on Bill Elliott, but he's away with just gas. Well, he still needs to be running at the finish, and that's exactly what they did. They're taking no chances as they send him back around. Jimmy Means' car gets right out against the wall over in turns one and two, but he keeps it off there. A little bit of trouble for Means. That's the second time today he's been up high like that, Barney. He just hit, touched the wall ever so gently right in front of a Valvoline sign, but he was able to gather it back up and keep going. Alan Kowicki had closed in on Rusty Wallace, thought about maybe passing him going into turn number three, and Alan says, why bother at this point? Just follow right around. Harold Kinder leans over and shows the field two fingers, two more laps, two miles to go as Kowicki works in turn two. Kowicki all by himself with Wallace right in front of him now. Very smooth again out of one or two. Kowicki moves up onto the back straight away. He'll sit right behind Rusty Wallace. Yeah, there's really no reason for Kowicki to make a move here. He can use Rusty to kind of clear the traffic ahead of him. There is Rusty Wallace going very slow now through turns three and four. So too Kowicki, and that's the way they go through the exit of four. Alan Kowicki, who is closing in on his first Winston Cup victory, comes down to the line. Harold Kinder puts the white flag on him. One mile to go for him. Let's follow him around as he hits turn one. Kowicki moves into one, still riding behind the Kodiak Pontiac. Kowicki draws right up on the rear bumper of Wallace now, moving out of two and out of the back stretch in the middle of the speedway, giving himself lots of margin for error. There is no slower traffic now in front of Alan Kowicki, save for Rusty Wallace, and he's a veteran. He's experienced. He can trust him. Now they're going to go around uh, Rick Wilson, and you can see the smile on the driver of the Xerox Ford as he goes down the main stretch for the last time. As Harry Gant slows on the racetrack, here comes Alan Kowicki. After 85 career Winston Cup starts, he finds victory lane. That flashback is brought to you by Mahindra. Race fans, don't forget to cheer for Chase Briscoe in the Mahindra Tractors number 14 car and race into your local dealer for big savings on Mahindra, the official tractor of tough. You can hear that race in its entirety right now on MRN.com or by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all the time we have for you for this week, folks. Our thanks to William Byron for joining us. Also, our thanks to Michael McDowell and Todd Gordon for stopping by. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you for joining us as well. Be sure to check us out on NASCAR Live Wide Open on Thursday. And, of course, NASCAR Live Race Day from Phoenix on Sunday. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Coast to Coast is a show dedicated to spotlighting the short track community across the country. Offering a new show every Thursday on the Motor Racing Network's YouTube channel, this show has it covered. Hosted by Chris Wilner and myself, Kyle Rickey, NASCAR Coast to Coast offers insightful interviews and fun deep dives into the what, when, why, and hows of grassroots racing in America. This show serves the heart of racing from coast to coast.